Hello, hello. It's episode 351 of the Keto Diet Podcast. Welcome back and welcome to Tuesday Recordings. I hope you're enjoying these new Tuesday episodes and you're starting off this year right. I hope you're like walking or you're outside right now. Maybe you're wearing a snowsuit or maybe you're wearing pajamas. Whatever you're doing right now, I'm so glad to have you here. We're chatting about cheat days and food patterns. We're talking about healthy changes and how to look for more things than just wait to know that you're on the right track. We're talking about setting goals outside of being skinny, how to keep the weight off in a healthy way. Oh my gosh, so many different things, big frustrations in the health community today, where we struggle and where you might struggle in your own eating patterns and really noticing what patterns are unhealthy, what patterns are healthy, and how to kind of navigate this road of taking care of yourself in a new way. We have two amazing guests today. They're friends of mine and they host the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. They're Laura Spath and Judy Cho. Laura Spath is a full-time working mom who lost 120 pounds on a carnivore diet. She spent the last several years working on finding the balance between health and weight while creating lifelong relationships with the carnivore community. Laura is the co-host of the Cutting Against the Grain podcast with Judy Cho and she shares daily content on Instagram and lots of what I eat videos on YouTube. Now, Judy Cho is a board certified holistic nutritionist and certified nutritional therapy practitioner and holds a psychology and communications degree from the University of California, Berkeley. Judy is the author of Carnivore Cure, Meat-Based Nutrition and the Ultimate Elimination Diet for Optimal Health. Judy has a holistic health private practice that focuses on gut health and root cause healing with a meat-based elimination diet. Prior to becoming a nutritional therapist, Judy was a management consultant at a top five consulting firm for over 12 years. She is now leveraging her psychology degree and nutritional therapy education to help serve the community in the most effective ways. Now, I had Judy on the podcast for episode 306. So if you enjoy our conversation today, head back on over to that episode. You just have to scroll down and find episode 306. As always, if you have questions about today's content, you can go to healthfulpursuit.com slash contact and ask me and you can catch up on previous podcast notes and all episodes by going to ketodietpodcast.com. If you're looking for this episode specifically, just look for episode 351. If you're looking for more keto support and all the things, you can go to my website healthfulpursuit.com and there are oodles of blog posts and so many resources. And if you're looking for some of my favorite things, head on over to the top and click on favorites. There's like so many discount codes and so many awesome things I've collected for you guys over the years. Okay, without further ado, let's do this thing. Welcome to the Keto Diet Podcast, the show all about keto for women so you can burn fat, balance your hormones and heal your body. 
Starting and maintaining keto can be challenging without the right support. So just for listening to the podcast, I want to give you 20% off the keto beginning with the coupon code keto podcast. That's all one word. This 30 day program gives you a clear step by step how to so you can quickly adapt to a ketogenic diet, avoid common struggles and get the results you crave. Go to healthfulpursuit.com slash begin to get your keto beginning discount today. If you're new around these parts, I'm Leanne Vogel. You may know me as the international bestselling author of The Keto Diet, founder of happyketobody.com, or maybe you know me as the nutritionist that likes dipping pork rinds in avocado oil mayo. I'm so glad you're here with me today. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, ladies, how are you guys today? We're doing well. How are you? We're excited to be here and, and chat with you today. Thanks for having us. Oh, yeah, of course, Judy. Um, So I'd love for you both to share a little bit about who you are, what you do. I know I shared your official bios, but I'd love in a couple of words. Maybe, Laura, you can go first and just share who you are. Sure. I mean, my name's Laura Spath. I am kind of an accidental influencer in the carnivore space. I work a full-time corporate job, like pretty basic, normal corporate job that has me traveling quite a bit. And then I have two kids who are now five and seven. And my husband is amazing and is a stay-at-home dad, actually, because of this crazy, hectic world that we live in. And so... You know, I kind of found this space and found sharing my life on Instagram accidentally because I posted a before and after picture. I had lost 120 pounds with a carnivore diet and was just proud and wanted to share and tag the people who had inspired me. And kind of overnight that turned into like me sharing every day and having followers and now kind of doing this and having a YouTube channel. And so it's kind of been really interesting that I've lost weight, but then also kind of figured out how to keep it off. I had always been good at losing weight in the past, but I had never been able to keep it off before because every diet led to like a cheat day, which then led to kind of me spiraling out of control. So finding carnivore and this like extreme low carb way of eating was really the first time that my body was happy continuing to eat this way. And also the first time that I really was able to kind of address the root cause issues with food and like my, Oh, I have emotional issues with food. This isn't a weight problem. This is a inside me problem. And so I've really just kind of spent the last few years now figuring that out. And I don't have all the answers, but I haven't gained all my weight back yet. And that's a win for me. That's really all I want to do every day is just figure out how to stay healthy and keep a happy, healthy relationship with food. That's beautiful. Awesome. And what about you, Judy? So I guess I came to this world or this carnivore space because I was sick and I had an eating disorder and I was plant-based and not to say that plant-based was the only reason that I struggled with the eating disorder, but I think it stemmed from that a lot, especially eating a low fat diet version of plant-based. And, and then I just kind of fell into carnivore because I got really sick. I landed in the hospital and it sort of just changed my life seeing food as medicine and seeing fat as fuel and as protein as fuel as well and animal proteins. And then I just stumbled into nutrition because I got better and I felt that it was my calling to really serve the communities and share nutrition that's evidence-based and help people heal because I got my life back and I'm hoping that I can help others get their lives back as well. 
So wonderful. And we actually shared your full story, episode 306. If you guys want to learn more about Judy, oh, that was such a good episode. And so many of you guys said it was so inspiring and encouraging. I had no idea how just honestly, how dark your past was and how much you struggled. And so to hear that is just so incredibly beautiful. So for those who haven't listened to that episode, episode 306, I'll include it in the show notes today. And you both have a podcast. So I'd love to hear more about that and kind of share like how it got started, what your goal is. So Judy and I met through Instagram, really just from like sharing each other's stuff. We had never met before and got to be friends. We met up in person, a planned meetup. And then Judy had some stranger, me, come stay at her house that she never met before, which was so fun. And we just found ourselves through this Instagram carnivore world talking every day and became really close. And our lives are busy. You know, we're both moms and busy and working. And we wanted a way that we could connect and stay in touch intentionally. And so Judy said, like, let's start a podcast and let's have weekly check-ins with each other and we'll just record them and see how that goes. And it, it turned into this place where we can talk about what's working well for us. Kind of sometimes it ends up being frustrations that we're seeing in the community or some maybe unhealthy trends that are happening. Also just simple advice, hopefully real world application. I always joke that Judy's the smart one. She literally wrote the book on carnivore. And I'm just there to talk about like how it works for us and for my family. My husband's also carnivore. Our kids are, you know, like really low carb and we try to make it work for our real life. And so that cutting against the grain podcast has kind of been our way to connect with each other as friends and let that be some pretty fun, just real talk and just us catching up and then also hopefully sharing about real world lifestyle with eating this way and like, how do you handle it in different circumstances? Yeah. And I've loved doing this podcast because my other channel and all my content is very just, you know, the science or the nutrition. It is not really a lot about me or my, I guess, personal thoughts on things going on in the community or just about the diet or whatever it may be, or even my own journey. I don't talk about that as much. And so this is a totally different side of me, I think, on this podcast. And then we talk a lot about just the things that are going on. So the latest topics, trends in the nutrition community and the wellness community, and even sometimes like in the real world. And so it's been a really good and fun platform to just be real and share information that you know, maybe it's fringe information that we would normally hear at the water cooler and we don't get to hear this type of talk. And so it's just a space that hopefully people feel hope and, you know, can try things that maybe on social media, you don't get the full picture of, hey, maybe keto isn't fully working or carnivore isn't fully working. And and we talk about those small nuances that we've experienced in our own lives or in my client lives and just put perspective that honestly is giving people hope at the end of the day that this is real life, that there may be bumps and it's going to be okay. Hemp hearts. Let's first talk about why they are so unique in a class of nuts and seeds. Well, they're actually considered a seed and how they make the perfect addition to your diet. 
Hemp hearts are rich in fats, but not just any fats, the good healthy ones, the ones you want to fill your diet with to help reduce inflammation, support joint health and balance hormones. Hemp hearts have six times the omega-3 of raw tuna, four times the omega-3s as most fish oil supplements, and they're rich in fiber, promoting gut health and helping aid digestion. They're also a rich source of plant-based protein containing 10 grams of protein per 30 gram serving. What's unique about hemp hearts is unlike many plant-based protein sources, they contain all 20 amino acids and all of the nine essential amino acids, making hemp hearts one of the best plant-based protein sources, or if you ask me, the best. Hemp hearts are rich in micronutrients such as iron, magnesium, B vitamin, zinc, vitamin D, vitamin E. It's said to be nature's multivitamin as it contains high daily value percentages of those micronutrients. Also, for women struggling with hormone health, which is basically every one of us, <laughs> it also contains GLA, which is extremely healthy for women's hormones. You can go to eatenhemp.com slash keto diet. Use the code keto diet, all in caps for 25% off. These are the best of the best hemp parts that exist, guys, because they're backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. If you don't like it, you get your money back. And this company rocks. So if you go to eatenhemp.com slash keto diet, use the code keto diet, all in caps for 25% off. Give them a try and let me know what you think. Again, if you don't like them, just contact them and you will get your money back. That's beautiful. And something that's so required, it's so hard to do that in an Instagram post, like you said. And I always feel like you can have these beautiful conversations for 30 minutes, an hour with guests or each other or solo, and you get to share so much more than you can in just a short period of time. And also with images, it doesn't portray exactly what's going on in that moment and all the things that led up to that. I totally agree with you that having that podcast space is oh so much better than just you know Instagram or one post or limited to a certain amount of characters something you said Laura when you were talking about your progress I noticed that you kind of went from it sounds like a focus on being skinny or thin to now I just want to be healthy what was that transition like for you did I hear that correctly where it started off perhaps as weight loss weight loss and then turned into something completely different Oh, absolutely. And I wish I could say it was as simple as like, I changed my mindset and then I quit worrying about the scale. And it was not that at all. And it's such a big, it's taken me three years now to like really wrap my mind around it. And even some days still, I'm just like, but I really want to be skinnier. So I, I'm an all in person. Like I'm an all or nothing person, which is why I was always good at losing weight before kind of with all the different trends I'd done because I could stick to something for a period of time and go a hundred percent obsessed all in. And then I would take a break and have a cheat day and go off the rails, the other direction and gain everything back again. And so, you know, this time with carnivore, I lost weight and I really kept going and kept going. You know, I lost 120 pounds in 10 months, which is pretty insane. And honestly, not that healthy because I ended up being, I went from a size 20 to a size four. And that's with all the loose skin that I had. I was so concerned about getting, losing the weight and thinking that if I just got skinnier, then the skin would go away. And I got to a point where I was too thin and I lost that weight so fast. And so, and I was, went such extremes, then it started to cause problems. And it was a really hard thing for me to learn to balance that and then I ended up kind of swinging. I gained a little bit of, or I gained weight back, not all of it, obviously, but 
I think the unhelpful thing also was that that all happened where I hit that like maintenance goal right at the beginning of 2020 when everything, all of a sudden we were forced to be home all the time. And I was forced to then, I think that's the biggest thing was I realized I couldn't distract myself away from my food issues forever. And I came face to face with the fact that like I have access to the fridge hundred percent of the time right now. And I couldn't stop eating. I think just, I realized then you're eating for no reason. You're eating because you're bored. You're eating because it's in front of you because because of no reason. And you have to find a way to handle that emotion, deal with the root cause of your feelings, which I think is something that I really hadn't done before. And so, I mean, that was, it's taken several years of like some fluctuations and some mistakes. And I think the biggest thing that I've tried to focus on is like identifying my triggers for eating. Am I eating because I'm hungry? Am I eating because of another reason? And I also have tried to like stop worrying about my pant size and the number on the scale. And it is so hard and I still am not perfect at it, but my goal is I have now I'm, I weigh more than I did at my lowest weight ever. Right. Which was a couple of years ago. I'm still carnivore, but I also am eating more. I'm eating much more often. I'm focusing on, you know, realizing that my hormones are in a great shape right now. And they weren't when I was a size four my skin is doing great. My sleep is better right now. Like my overall health is great. And I have to really, I check in with my blood sugar and I check in with my hormones because I want to reassure myself that this weight is a healthy weight for you and stop worrying about the fact that I think that my loose skin sticks up above my pants. And like, there's just things that we're going to, that I personally obsess about. And it's hard for me to release that. And so that's it. I'm focusing on my health and and all of those good things and trying to also find a balance of like, is this, where's the balance between being obsessive and strict and being like healthy, realistic in my life. And if I'm so concerned about fasting windows, but then I'm, you know, not fueling myself when I might need it, then that's a problem. And so I think that's the balance that I've been working on for the last couple of years for sure. And I just want to chime in really quickly. So I met Laura when she was at her thinnest and I saw her whole journey and it's been really beautiful to see because when I met her at her thinnest, it was, everything was very regimented. Like she would do one meal a day or I don't think she was doing too mad then. And then she would go to the gym and and you can tell that she was like, wow, I just want to be her and lose all that weight. And what an amazing story. And then when she started struggling, some influencers may kind of hide that, but she just shared her struggles of, you know what, I thought I lost all my weight and I thought this was the perfect diet, but I realized maybe there's other things I need to work on because once the pandemic hit, it's just, you know, we're all locked away and no one will know if we're, you know, consistent, if we're going to the gym. And I saw her grow into, I guess, a beautiful influencer where she could just share her journey and her struggles. Like, Hey, I I've been pretty good and I'm working on my hormones and health and my mental health. And I still have to dig into why am I turning to like the snacks or, you know, overeating on meat-based foods and seeing that journey and just it evolving has helped so many people. And it's like the real life story and it's not the rainbows and unicorns. And that I think is such a service to the community. That's not really as readily available. And I've just personally seen her grow just more comfortable in her skin and just, you know, sharing her story, but being okay that she's not like the, you know, perfect size for just, you know, being a certain image, but just sharing real life and having freedom 
from food and just having traveled with her not that long ago, I could see that there's this freedom from the relationship with food that I'm guessing she struggled with a long time ago. That's so sweet. You're so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever told you that, but yeah, I've, um, I'm totally proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, that's so beautiful. Friends are so important. And who knew on social media that you could find like some of my best friends are from Instagram. So (laughs) that's just such a gift in today's world. And really what I'm hearing, I mean, there's so many pieces, but a big highlight that I heard you share, Laura and, and Judy, you definitely pulled it into is like, there are various markers for health. You know, I heard you talk about hormones and sleep and even the relationship you have with food, I think is also a marker of health. If you are stressed out to the nth degree, worried about when you're going to go to the gym, whether it be 7am or 5am, how you're going to put it in and you have panic attacks. I know that was my experience. I would have a panic attack if my car wouldn't start and I couldn't get to the gym. I mean, I would be running on the spot. Like I just need to get the calorie burn. That can also be a marker of health. And there are so many different markers that we can go off of. And I think the main marker that everyone only uses, many, many use anyway, is the weight marker of just, if I get to that size four, everything will be perfect. I think there's people that are naturally thin, but for especially somebody like myself who was morbidly obese, you know, I was almost, I was 263 pounds for somebody who's that size to go to being that thin and to stay that thin, especially with the excess skin and stuff it is so much work. It's unnatural work. My body was not designed after being that heavy. It is not designed to be that thin. And that might sound like an excuse to trolls on the internet, but it really is not. My body was not healthy at that size. And my goal now is not to get to that size, but to be consistent, to have a positive relationship with food, to enjoy a lifestyle that keeps me healthy and mentally sane. And then also to make sure that my body is healthy at the same time. Yes, completely, completely said wonderfully. Many of you are like, as we've been talking many times, both of you have mentioned just like COVID and lockdown and what that's done. And I know I see that in my practice, women coming to me like, uh, I've been locked up in my house for a year and a half and I've realized I do not have a healthy relationship with food. I mean, yeah. Completely. Like you said, Laura, when you're with your fridge 24 seven, I know I experienced that when I started working from home, all of a sudden I could eat whenever I wanted. There was no lunch break. There was no scheduled time. I could just open the fridge whenever. And I had to deal with a lot of practices to kind of work through that. Like, am I hungry? Do I need this? What else do I need? Is it food? Probably not. And just constantly asking myself those questions. I'm glad both of you pointed on that because I think a lot of people are starting to realize just how blistered their relationship is through this COVID experience. Right. I mean, I could even say within my client practice that there were so many people that were, I guess, you know, being accountable by their communities and they didn't even realize that so that, you know, whether they went to church on Sundays or they met with friends, it kept them accountable. And then once the pandemic happened, we didn't know what would happen in the future. I think a lot of people's cortisol was racing and they were just in the watching the news or media and scared. I think it just made people 
just turn to food and cope with food. And I don't know how many people have connected that relationship where, okay, maybe your relationship with food, you know, needs to be further improved. But I saw a lot of that going on where a lot of people gained weight. And I mean, I, I see it in the news where people will say the pandemic 15 or the, you know, the pandemic weight, I have to lose that. I'm somebody who's very goal driven and like event driven, you know, specific events motivate me. It's kind of how I avoid cheat days is by saying like, Oh, I'm going to wait until after this event or this moment. And then I always keep pushing that benchmark forward more and more. And so it's like, well, I'm going to have vacation here and I want to feel good. And I, I mean, in, in vain reason, I want to look good and I want to not have a cheat day. I don't want to gain weight. I want to be healthy and for this specific event. I love picking events and dates and things. Well, with COVID, everything got canceled. We were all supposed to go to KetoCon and that got canceled. I had a vacation. I had like a girl's weekend, like all of these things got canceled. And then I thought, well, why does it matter? Like Judy said, like nobody will know. I could just eat. I can have a cheat day. And once you do that, for me, as somebody who has a major issue with food, I can't get back on track again. And it's like, you know, I want to have a cheat day in my secret isolation isolation feeds my addiction. I want to have a cheat day and I can't get back on track after that. It's so hard and it's so much effort and it's so much work. And I gain weight so fast because I was so obese. I have all these adipose cells on my body that just instantly fill up with all this water and can then I can gain 20 pounds in a weekend. It's not real fat, but it still is hard to get off again. And then all of a sudden you're just mentally defeated. There's so much effort and work. There's shame and there's disappointment then you're isol- you're still isolated and you're like I'm so upset I'm feeling so shamed I'm so disappointed in myself I'm just going to feed that with food and it just happens over and over and over again and we have to figure out a way to break that and to not and to realize that it's identifying if I have this yeah. behavior in this moment it's going to cause this spiral and so how do I avoid it like what do I need to do and I think to avoid it I think that's one of the unfortunate biggest problems that we had in the biggest mistake that was made for all of this is this lockdown mentality of like, stay home when what we should have been doing is tell people to get outside and get fresh air. It's, that's our biggest tagline. Judy and I in our podcast is because we got so frustrated with everybody to be being told to stay home and be locked in your house all the time and like isolate yourself and watch TV and eat. It's no, our podcast is audio only. We want you to get outside and go for a walk, get some fresh air, get some vitamin D get away from the fridge and like focus on your mindset because it's such a hard thing. It's such a hard thing to do, but there's so much addiction that happens behind closed doors. And it's so easy to fall into that cycle. And I think a lot of people think with carnivore being meat only that if the answer is, if I just remove all the carbs, then I am free from my food addiction. And as a practitioner, I think it can help initially to just make you focus on figuring that part out. So if you eat meat only, you can, I guess, binge off certain meat foods, but it's a little bit harder than if you have the easy comfort carby foods. And so once you remove that, now you are faced with those situations where you used to turn to food and now you don't have that solace as much with only a meat only diet. And so if you then focus on, okay, well, now I actually have to focus on my root cause to heal. And I may, I guess I had a issue with food or coping with food. And so now I actually have to find new habits and find better ways to cope. And for me, I think that's a beautiful place to get to root cause healing when it comes to food addiction and mental health with food. But for a lot of people, I think they get there and then they start turning to the carbs again. And then, you know, it just starts to become this spiraling effect. But 
I really feel that carnivore can help people get to that root cause healing for food addiction, but you can still have that issue even on a carnivore diet. Yeah, absolutely. That's so true. Remember that time I had the guys on from Formula episode 301 where we talked about our experiences with ADD and ADHD and how big a game changer nootropics have been for us? If you're struggling with your brain, difficulty focusing, unpredictable energy dips, quick to get distracted, you may benefit big time from taking nootropics as we have. My favorite nootropics brand, Formula, has just changed their name to Thesis and they're offering 15% off to listeners of the podcast. Now, you might be wondering, uh, Leanne, what's a nootropic? Well, they're nutrients proven to improve brain performance. Some call them cognitive enhancers or smart drugs, quote unquote. (laughs) With nootropics, I've boosted my focus, energy, attention span, concentration for long periods of time, getting distracted much less frequently. I'm far more productive. I find myself procrastinating and putting things off less. I've been testing nootropics, and for the past year, I've been using Thesis exclusively. You can visit their website, takethesis.com. You'll take a short assessment, and based on their data set, you'll be recommended four nootropic variations to test in your first month. You can then schedule a time to speak with a nootropics coach from their team anytime to help you find the optimal formulations for your brain chemistry. Then they will customize your orders with the formulations that work best for your goals and your physiology. Go to takethesis.com and use the code KETO for 15% off. Again, that's takethesis.com with the code KETO. That's so true. I personally, maybe I'm one of those people or maybe my body's just not meant to be carnivore. I'm sure you hear that a lot, but oh girl, after like five days, if I don't have a strawberry, like I'm just... I'm not fun to be around. I have always just, I feel so much better eating a lot of meat and a couple of plants, you know, like I just, I can't not have mixed greens. I can't see my life without the mixed greens and my body's just so much happier, but I can understand, you know, if I think of like late night snacking, which I don't necessarily do that often anymore. It used to be a really, really bad thing that I used to do often. And it was totally wrapped up in my emotional connection to food and how my day was going and where I was um, feeling stuck in places and things. I would always go for the carby carbs. It's not like, oh, I really feel like having a snack. I'm feeling really snacky. I'm going to have a steak. (laughs) You know, like that's not, that's not normal. But I do find now if I'm legitimately hungry before bed and I need something, my go-to is carnivore crisps. Like they're so satiating and like, I'm actually hungry. And I check in with myself, like, am I actually hungry? Do I need something? Maybe it's a mixture of a little bit of emotional stuff and I want something crunchy, but I'm legitimately hungry. I'll have like a handful of those and it just hits the spot and it's a completely different experience. Then I'll just have some crackers and hummus or, you know, some dried fruit, totally different. Yeah. I think that's where too, we can't be so obsessed with the perfect regimen where we're scared to have a snack. Like it is not ideal to be snacking and you're right. It's not ideal to be late night emotionally eating, but is it really the worst thing in the world if you ate some meat late at night because you were just watching TV and everybody else was eating popcorn? Like 
get it, girl. Like nobody, it's that's, that's where I think we get too stuck in the regimen and not thinking about our lifestyle. Now sitting on the couch for me and having popcorn, not good. It's going to send me on a spiral. So I try to give myself, yes, ideally I don't eat late at night. Most days I don't eat late at night. But if I decide that, yeah, I'm going to eat late at night. If I try to hold back and restrict myself from a time perspective, it can lead to me messing up from a food perspective. And so I give myself that grace and permission to say, my one non-negotiable thing is I will eat meat. Like I'm not going to eat carbs, but flexibility wise, if I want to sit down and eat some jerky or eat some, you know, like you said, eat some meat late at night or have some cheese, it's not the worst thing in the world. And I'm not going to beat myself up about it. Yes, completely. It's really about putting things on a scale. And I think that can be really hard for it took me, I don't know, probably over a decade to kind of figure it out. You know, when I first started eating, you know, working on eating and things like that. I mean, when I wasn't completely abstaining from food for days and days or binging and purging, I would eat McDonald's. And so for me to sit down and having had prepared a meal, even if it had grains and sugar was better than not eating at all or binging and purging or having McDonald's. And so somebody who had been on their process for 10 years would look at my meal and be like, what is wrong with you? This has sugar. But for me to like sit down, prepare a meal and not be eating at McDonald's was like, what? That's amazing. Congratulations, Leanne. And so I think we lose sight of that. And we feel like it needs to be so incredibly regimented, like you were saying, of just it needs to be this certain way. And it can't I feel oftentimes like I'm a pressure cooker, like every moment that I deny myself that I'm gonna I'm just gonna blow up like, there will come a point where I just go off the rails. And that was me over and over and over and over and over again, that I would be so on point. I wouldn't have cheat days. Everything would be great. I would deny myself that snack in the evening. Even if I just wanted like a handful of something, I would deny and deny and deny. And finally, it was like I would just explode and it was terror, like a total nightmare. And it would get really dark, you know, because I I had an eating disorder. So I would just go off the rails for months. And we can see that pattern in ourselves, whether it be binging or you know, restricting further and getting even deeper into this pattern. Yeah, it's really scary stuff and can really control every part of your life. It's not just your eating and your diet. It it affects the relationship you have with your husband and your children and your work and everything. Yeah, I think, I mean, this is part of the reason that we created the podcast. It's hard to explain in a social media post these nuances where context matters, right? So for you, Leanne, having the little bit of carbs or having that little snack at night is a huge feat compared to what you used to do. And that's where I would applaud you as a client, right? So I think it really depends on the person. And when we share content in a social media platform, it's so different per person. And so when we get, you know, I would probably not recommend at night for people to be having a snack on my social media platform. But when we talk on the podcast, we talk about these nuances so that people, I guess the average person can get individualized care almost, if that makes sense. And so I think that's where these discussions are so important. And I mean, it's true. It's, I guess it's really 
getting to know yourself and knowing your limits and knowing your struggles that then you can really have this food freedom, which is really, really hard. And I don't think it's talked enough about in the nutrition and wellness space. We talk about what's the right macros, what's the right foods, when should we eat, how much should we eat? But then we don't talk about, well, what if we have a food addiction or a negative relationship with food where we actually turn to food for comfort, we turn to food to celebrate, we turn to food for sadness. Well, what happens when we no longer can use that tool for those emotions? And I think it's a discussion that we need to keep bringing up. And I know, I think, Leanne, you do a great job in bringing this up, actually, with your history. But, you know, in the carnivore space, I think it's important to consistently bring up. I really hope you're enjoying today's episode. I'd love to see where you're listening from. You can snap a pic and tag me at Leanne Vogel or leave a review for the show on your favorite podcast player. It helps me out tremendously. Okay, back to the good stuff. Completely. I think in every space, I've definitely noticed this pattern, you know, starting to work in blood chemistry and starting to look at what people need individually. Oh my goodness. I mean, I knew that people were different, but to look at their cells and see the patterns and see that everyone is so incredibly different what they need. I think oftentimes when we go to social media, I mean, you could open up the app right now and scroll through the next 10 posts and somebody will say vitamin D is good and this is how much you need. Somebody else will say don't take vitamin D. Another person will say this is the best probiotic you'll ever have. And so you read all of these things and I mean, working with clients, there are some spastic files I look through. I'm like, why are you on 30 different supplements? Like, why are you taking this? Well, I, I heard it on a podcast. They said it was good for this. And so I think we can get into this rut where we're just grabbing for everything to try to get answers of like, but I heard this was good. I heard that was good. So I'm just doing all of it. And I think the beauty of a podcast like both of yours is hearing your story and hearing yourself and others experiences. So as Laura is sharing her experience, it's different than Judy's. And you're going to hear yourself in both of their stories, little bits and other bits, not so much. And it's really our responsibility to be like, well, that resonates. So I'm going to give that a try, but this doesn't resonate, which means I don't have to give it a try. That doesn't fit my story. That doesn't fit where I'm at. I don't like that. (laughs) So, but I think we're all so hungry for change. And so we'll listen to things or watch things and we'll just do everything because we don't have that. Like you were saying, Judy is like that individualized care and that responsibility of picking up what we need and dropping what we just don't. And the longer the diet is around, I mean, you see this with keto much more now, but we're seeing it with carnivore. When I first started carnivore, there was like a one way to do it. Like this is the carnivore diet. And the more popular that it gets and the more people that get popular within it and now realize that, wait, this can be my income and this can be my platform. Then there's more factions within that carnivore diet and people trying to find their niche and like their thing that gets them their own little corner of this diet that they can capitalize on. And while there's nothing wrong with that, people who are sometimes, right? People that are consuming that content need to realize what it's there for. And I think that sometimes the wide variety of people, the way that they do the diet is because they're looking for a way to separate themselves from the other influencers that are out there or the other doctors that are out there or something. So I think we have to be able to to take what is shared with a grain of salt and find what works for us. And I think that's important more than anything. And kind of circling back to something you said, Leanne, is 
you know, you mentioned you'd go crazy without a strawberry, but I don't want a strawberry. I want strawberry ice cream. And if you're craving mixed greens, I don't want that. I want loaded French fries. And so, you know, because of my history with food and my relationship, I think somebody having mixed grains occasionally and, and fruit, if they want those things, I think that's great. And there's this, you know, flow that can happen depending on your health goals. If you're having, you know, digestive issues, maybe the grains are not helping you. And if you are, you know, if you're eating the strawberries and then you're finding yourself putting whipped cream on them and you're finding yourself using that as an excuse to make a keto treat with them and put on some sweeteners, and then that's causing you to get more and more out of control because of fruit. Like that's me. That's okay. People are like that. And you have to figure out like, is this fruit helping me stay on track? and keeping me from binging or from having real sugar? Or is this making me crave those things and causing me to go off the rails and maybe cutting that out would help? And I think that's the fine line of keto to carnivore. I think most people operate in the carnivore world, operate in this 90% carnivore and are perfectly content with that. They might have some pickles occasionally. I'll put pickles in a chicken salad. It's pretty scandalous, I know. I'm admitting it here and now. It is being said. But there are most people fit in that place. Unless you're healing some extreme autoimmune issue, most people are fine with about 95%. But having some keto chocolate for me, like my mom's carnivore, but she eats keto, a little piece of chocolate every day. I can't handle that. I just want a real chocolate. And I, I don't want that, whatever that artificial stuff is, I want a brownie. And so I think how strict you are or where you operate between this keto and carnivore world all depends on like, is it helping you reach your goals and how does it make you feel? And I also think that you can have more, I guess, progress. I mean, for me, where my background is an eating disorder, where I would binge and purge, and that's why I shifted from keto. So I lost a lot of weight. I was healthier on keto than I was on my plant-based diet. But I would have those moments, like you were talking about, Leanne, where I was a pot and eventually I would binge. And maybe I wasn't nourishing myself because I was still plant-based, so I wasn't eating enough protein. And and that might have been the reason, but the little bit of carbs I'd eat every day was a struggle. Like some days I'd be quote unquote good and I'd eat the greens. But then on other days, I'm like, well, a Snickers fits my macro. So I'll do that. And when I just went carnivore, I had to focus on fixing my relationship with food. Yeah. And I even have been in eating disorder facilities and have gotten that level of care. And I couldn't fix it until I went carnivore and that food was no longer allowed for me to eat. And then I had to focus on, well, now what do I do when I'm mad or I'm upset or I have anxiety and I want to go crunch something? Now I had to focus on, well, I got to work on healing me. And then as I miraculously healed through the diet and just focusing on self and even honestly, religion came into my life in that period, I guess, more passionately. And so all of that combined really helped my healing. And now if I dabble on a little bit of veggies or a little bit of carbohydrates, I can actually do it when before I couldn't even touch a little bit of diet soda because that would make me spiral or a sugar-free gum because that would make me want something sweet. And now I have that balance, but it took I guess three to four years of healing and really getting to know myself and just muscling through those moments of hardships where I wanted to turn to food. And now I have, you know, I've just really healed a lot where I can, you know, help others and serve others. But then also with my own diet, if I want to dabble in, okay, my metabolically flexible, can I do some greens in this meal? Or can I add a little bit of a piece of dark chocolate and be okay? And now I'm there, which I never thought in my life I could be here. And that is all 
as a practitioner, I want to share with people is if maybe carnivore can be a tool as an elimination diet, but that doesn't mean you have to do it forever. Find the foods then you want to add back. But the core is, I think everyone has a little bit of an addiction with sugar because, I mean, it's highly addictive. And so if we can work on our relationships with food, that ever since we were young, you know, when baby cries, it's maybe baby's hungry. So we always gave the food as a source of comfort. And if we can possibly get to the root cause healing of that part, then maybe we can eat additional carbs and additional foods that works for us. And that's a beautiful place to be. Isn't it though? I can relate to that so deeply. I remember there was one evening, it was right before Kevin and I got married in 2014. I went off the rails and I went to probably seven or 10 fast food restaurants and I ate and ate and binged and purged and binged and purged until like three o'clock in the morning. It was really bad. That was probably one of my worst moments. And I thought for sure I would never, ever, ever, ever be able to just eat this food and like not feel guilty and not feel shameful. And that reality didn't even exist because I was so restricted and I had so many rules and I was so burdened by all of these things. I thought no way could I just like sit down at a family meal and have a bite of pie and just walk away and be like, I don't really like that pie. Like I would eat foods just because I could and because it was off limits, even if it didn't taste good and I didn't like it, it had sugar or whatever. And I can, I can relate with you, Judy, of like, you know, I can have that strawberry or, you know, at the holidays, I can have a piece of pie and be like, I just don't like I'm full. I don't really want this. And I'll leave most of it on the plate. That reality could never have existed. Like I really thought that that could never happen. And it does take time. And, and like what Laura was saying is like right now and maybe forever, who knows, like, you know, she doesn't want the strawberry. She wants the strawberry ice cream and she doesn't want the keto chocolate. She wants the brownie. And so it's each of us, I hope that each listener can hear how individualized this experience has been for all three of us, where our limits are even now and what our triggers are. And each of us are speaking very differently about our experiences. And I hope that that's coming across is there's no, there's no exact way to do this. And it really comes from a curiosity of like, where are my sticky points and where are my limits and where am I being triggered and what's actually happening with me? I think so many of us and what you were saying, Judy, is like, we go toward food, even as babies, you're right. The baby cries, maybe they're hungry. Here you go. You know, the kid is sad. Let's go for ice cream. You know, like we have this nourishment piece. And and even still to this day, when I get very, very upset, all I want are dare jube jubes. My dad used to give me a handful of them when I was sad, like when I was really sad and I cannot eat them. Like we, I do not eat them. That is the one food that I have a rule. I will not eat them because I cannot control myself around them. <laughs> you know, so we each have our own experiences. And I think that's so incredibly powerful. And it does shift over time doing this work, which I think is so encouraging for so many. Yeah. I mean, we definitely have a history and memory and it's beyond the food sometimes. In one of our podcast episodes, Laura and I talked about her relationship with peanut butter. And I mean, Laura, you could bring that up if you want, but it's just, there is a lot more stuff around food that we don't always think about. You know, if you were to ask someone, do you have an eating disorder? Do you have disordered eating? Most people will say no. Like, sure, I probably eat a little bit more junky foods than I should, or, you know, that type of attitude, but not 
oh, I, I would ever need therapy for food or I would need to talk to an eating disorder therapist or a dietitian. I think most people don't think that. And that's where I guess some of the the struggle can come from is just not being aware that the food actually may be a trigger. I mean, my brother never had a weight issue his whole life. He was always been a moderator. And then he did keto. And then he sort of is now on a standard American diet. I think he's just been really stressed. And I see it now. I see that tendency. Well, I'm going to start keto next week. So then he eats all of the processed foods he can eat. And slowly he's gaining weight when he was always really thin. And I don't think ever once did he think that he has a adverse relationship with food. And I wonder if maybe he could adhere better if he was a little less strict with the diet and just, okay, maybe these are the foods that I can allow in my diet, but I'd rather, you know, have more days of consistency than I'm going to go all in and then not go all in. That's so true. Yeah, that's so true. I thought like... I would have never told you I had a problem with food or a food addiction issue or anything. All, I just was fat. Like I just ate too much. I just ate you know, too much fast food. Like, oh, I just need to cut back. I just need to eat less and move more, right? Which we all know. I lost all of my weight, got to the thinnest I had been since middle school and still thought like, well, I just need to learn to regulate my food. And it wasn't until I came smack into that reality of like, now you don't know how to stop losing weight and you've lost too much. And like, how do you like balance that and go back to having a real life now and not have your whole life be centered around losing weight? I didn't know how to do that. And I, I had to really come face to face with that reality of like, maybe it's the food and maybe it's your emotional relationship with it. And now we have to start digging into that piece by piece and trigger by trigger and really figuring that out because this is not a weight problem anymore. You got to that point because of your relationship with food, not just because you have this, you know, broken appetite trigger in you. Yeah, that's good. That's so good. Ladies, oh my goodness, we could talk for like a million years. Where can everyone connect with each of you? Where can they find your podcast? Tell us all the places. Cutting Against the Grain podcast is wherever you're listening to this one, just look for Cutting Against the Grain. And then I'm also on Instagram and YouTube. And then I've recently started a locals community, which is a place where it's an app and a website that you can go to uh, lauraeastbath.locals.com and you can hang out with other people who like to hang out with me. And you can find me at, I guess, a website. Instagram, YouTube, Facebook at Nutrition with Judy. And then I also have a book, Carnivore Cure. Yes. And we'll be sure to include all those links in the show notes, as well as the episode that I did with Judy back in episode 306. You guys can use the same app and scroll back a while uh, to episode 306. Ladies, thank you so much for coming on the show today. This was a blast. Thank you. Thanks, Leanne. Thank you for having us. Wow. I hope you really enjoyed today's episode. Judy and Laura are the hosts of the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. And these two friends are sharing real talk about the world around them. You guys can check out their podcast by searching for Cutting Against the Grain on this podcast player, wherever you listen to podcasts, if you're catching this on YouTube. And thanks again for hanging out with us. We will see you next Tuesday for another episode of the Keto Diet Podcast. Bye.
Thanks for listening to the Keto Diet Podcast. Join us again in a couple of days to discover more Keto for Women secrets for your fat-fueled life. Music for the Keto Diet Podcast provided by Yechi. Follow Jacob on Instagram at Yechi underscore official and on Spotify as Yechi. That's Y-E-C-H-I. The Keto Diet Podcast, including show notes and links, provides information in respect to healthy living, recipes, nutrition, and diet, and is intended for informational purposes only. The information provided is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, nor is it to be construed as such. We cannot guarantee that the information provided on the Keto Diet Podcast reflects the most up-to-date medical research. Information is provided without any representations or warranties of any kind. Please consult a qualified physician for medical advice and always seek the advice of a qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding your health and nutrition program.